Good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to worship today. Uh, my name is Dan. I'm the worship director here, and we are just excited to worship with you. Welcome to our new guests today. Um, I'm going to direct you to the link in the comments. If this is your first time with us today, there's a link that will take you to our website. You can fill out this form that you can ask any questions about us, learn a little bit more about our church, and we would love to send you a gift later this week if you would be so kind to fill that out. We are here today to worship God and to um, sing of his faithfulness and how he's never changing. Let's sing together. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my 
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. And just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that a God can't do. In just one word, you hear what's broken inside me. In just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can help but believe. Oh, there's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that a God can't do. God can't do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that a God can't do. Sing this out. And I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. And I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. Oh, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like His power. 
There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison walk can't break through. Oh, praise the name. Upon the sand, the oceans push and pull at your command. You hold the moon and stars within your hands, and all with just a breath, the world began. And God. There's nobody like you, God. There's nobody like you, God. And there will never be. Oh. There'll never be anyone like you, God. Nothing we could do would be enough From heaven's highest place you reach for us Oh, let sin and shame forever overcome yes. The grave was overwhelmed by perfect love Nobody like you, God. There's nobody like you, God. And there will never be. Oh, God. There's nobody like you, God. There's nobody like you, God. And there will never be. Your name is 
pray together. Yes, God, you are good. There's no one like you. You are set apart. You are holy. God, you're seated on your throne in heaven, and nothing surprises you. Nothing gets past you. So many times we can be surprised by life. It can come at us in all different ways. We can stumble in the pits that are before us or be weighed down by grief or anxiety or just thoughts that come into our heads. But God, you are the creator, the sustainer, the author of life, and you hold us in your hand. You've got us. And thank you that there is no one like you. You are set apart. God, you are above. You are high. We don't need to be in control of our life. We don't need to be number one. God, you are number one. So God, this morning we set aside our agendas. We put you first. We put you first in our life, God. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can take a seat. I do have a few announcements for you this morning, but uh, before I get rolling into that, I do want to um, just update you on Pastor Dan. He's not with us this morning. We have a, a friend, a guest, Tim Nelson, to preach in, his, in Dan's place. But if you're on the prayer prompts list, you got an email um, on Thursday that Dan was in a car accident. Um, he was, he's fine. He's doing okay. But, um, Stephanie did come take him to the emergency room just to kind of get checked out. He had some pretty bad whiplash and wanted to do some tests on that. But he is good. He is living life really good right now and lots of painkillers and muscle relaxants. Um, he did say he does have, he's feeling better, but does pretty sore, has some back spasms. He misses everyone, but um, keep him in your prayers as he slowly heals and his neck heals and stuff. So I um, just want to give you an update on that. Um, now for some announcements. So we had mentioned this the past couple of weeks, wine and theology and pub theology are this week. However, obviously because of the crazy and the Fisher's household right now. They are, they're the ones that host both these events this week. We're going to push the pause button on wine and theology tomorrow night. So ladies, that is off. Um, pub theology for the men is up in the air for Tuesday, depending on how Dan feels. So we'll put that on Facebook, whether or not we have it. And we'll also email out to the group of men who are involved in that. Uh, if you want to get involved, um, head to the face, Facebook page or the announcement page and find out the info on that. Next, um, we talked about this last week, partnership class is coming up. We set the date for two weeks from today on May 23rd. It's going to be after the service. Um, food, lunch is provided and child care is provided. If you've been coming to Sunrise for a little while now, you want to learn a little bit, little bit more, maybe you want to see what it means to be a partner, want to find out a little bit more about Sunrise, um, this is the class for you. Taking it, you'll learn all about the Sunrise's history, um, what our values are, you'll get to meet the staff. Um, coming to the class doesn't mean you're going to be a partner automatically, but it's the first step in that process. So two weeks from today, March 20, or May 23rd, I'm not backing up, spring, summer, we're getting there. Um, so May 23rd, mark that on your calendars. Next, um, we're getting towards summer. It's been a year because of COVID since we've done this, but Three's Company, we're going to get another um, cycle of that going this summer. If you don't know what that is, Three's Company is kind of a super informal kind of small group that gets together. We um, partner up three groups of people, like it could be singles, could be couples, could be families. We get three groups of people together. You guys meet together three times over the course of three months 
three couples, hence the Threes Company. So we don't tell you guys what to do. There's no agenda. You guys just hang out, maybe go outside to the park, um, go out for coffee, um, just a way to connect and meet new people here at Sunrise. So if you want to meet some new people, this, that's for you. So that's um, coming up this summer. There is a sign-up on the announcement page. So you can follow that QR code, or if you're online watching, click on that um, announcement link, and that'll bring you to our page to sign up for Threes Company. Lastly, um, we mentioned this last week for mothers, because it's Mother's Day today. Um, we have a couple things in store for you ladies who are with us in this service, I guess. Um, we have a couple spots picked out for you guys to take some family pictures. If you'd like to stay for a couple minutes after the service, you probably saw as you came in right here in the lobby, we have a wall curtain of flowers that we could take pictures in front of. Also, if you want a little bit more of a natural outside scene, um, back behind the youth room. So if you go all the way to the back of the church behind the youth room, um, we have a giant wall of arborvitae that we're going to take pictures in front of as well. So if you want that, we have two options for you after the service. Stick around a couple minutes for that. Um, we'll be taking pictures with your cell phone. So you can have the picture right on your phone. You can post to social media right then and there. Cool? Um, and also, we mentioned this last week, the surprise for mothers that we have in store for you guys. Um, we would love to bless you ladies with a mom's night off. So we are going to have Wednesday night, the youth group would love to hang out with your kiddos and your husbands too, if you want that. Husbands, you're, you're invited to hang out with us too. Some of us staff will be hanging out with the kids and the dads. Moms, you get the night, well, an hour and a half. It's kind of a night. You guys, uh, ladies, have that hour and a half to yourselves. Do whatever you want to. You can get, get together with your girlfriends um, or just take a nap. You might want that too. So moms, that is for you. Wednesday night during youth group, 6.30 to 8. Doesn't have to be youth group age kids, any kids. Come on out. Um, yes, I got through all of my announcements. <laughs> Lastly, um, Dan, Pastor Dan sent this to me, and I would love to read a prayer that was written for mothers on Mother's Day. So why don't you guys bow your heads with me, and I want to pray, pray over the mothers right now. God, our creator, we pray for new mothers coming to terms with new responsibility, for expectant mothers wandering and waiting, for those who are tired, stressed, or depressed, for those who struggle to balance the tasks of work and family, for those who are unable to feed their children due to poverty, for those whose children have physical, mental, or emotional disabilities, for those who have children they do not want, for those who raise children on their own, for those who have a lost child, for those who care for the children of others, for those who have children, for those whose children have left home, and for those whose desire to be a mother has not yet been fulfilled. Bless all mothers that their love may be deep and tender, and that they may lead their children to know and do what is good, living not for themselves alone, but for God and for others. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, moms. We love you. There's a lot that you guys do that we see, a lot that you guys do that we don't see, and a lot that you do for the dads, too. So we bless you and thank you and love you. Happy Mother's Day. Next, I have, um, we have a special guest, Kara Vanderkamp, our missional partner from Niger, from Remember Niger. She is here to give us an update. So Kara, welcome to the stage. Thank you so much. It's really awesome to be back with you in person. Um, yeah, my, I'm Kara Vanderkamp. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the director of the Remember Niger Coalition. And our mission 
our ministry is to work with churches and organizations in Niger to help them start schools in their communities, in their villages. And uh, we've been working with Sunrise Ministries with all of you for over 10 years now. And together, we've been able to accomplish a lot. Um, well over 50 students have been sponsored by all of you in those 10 years. That means students who otherwise, children who otherwise wouldn't be able to go to school, went to school, are in school. Um, a few years ago, you raised the money to build a three-classroom school building at one of the schools that we support. I'm really happy and pleased to tell you that that school is absolutely thriving. And in fact, this picture here was taken on that school campus. In 2018, a team from Sunrise went to Niger. And one of the things that I think if you ask Lydia or Aaron or Santo or anybody else who's been to Niger, I feel pretty confident that what they would say is that we have a really profound opportunity to love the people of Niger and specifically the children of Niger in very tangible ways. Niger is located in West Africa. And I think we have a map here, yeah. The thing about Niger is it's incredibly poor. It's, it's almost entirely consumed by the Sahara Desert. And so, these are people who, they grow the food that they eat. And so you can imagine, they live in a desert. It's really difficult to grow enough food to sustain them for the entire year. And so they do have a period of time that's called the hunger season. And unfortunately, that's about right now, that's when COVID hit last year. Uh, it hit just as they were going into their hunger season. And it was really devastating for them on a couple of levels. First of all, the world shut down. That meant that the borders around Niger shut down as well. And during the hunger season, usually what happens is the men of the villages will travel to cities around, around West Africa, big cities, where they can get some kind of job to be able to send money back to their families. Well, unfortunately, everything was closed. They were trapped. So it was really devastating for them and their families. But thanks to all of you, and you can, you can go to the next slide here, all of you, remember Niger was able to feed over almost 500 of its most vulnerable students and their families for a period of time, like through the hunger season until their next harvest came in. And I was there in January, and I was talking to leaders of the schools, and they said, you know, the food that you gave, that you all um, helped provide here at Sunrise, they said, we were down, and I think, you know, I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but it tells you um, how they felt. They were down to their last grain of rice when that food came in. And they said, what was really awesome is the fact that as other aid organizations were leaving because of COVID, leaving Niger, remember Niger came in and they were able to really help the people um, with this life-giving food. And uh, so I thank you. Money from the bake sale went towards that, and also um, a special giving went towards that as well. Um, they, I think the thing about Niger is just, um, yeah, again, I think that demonstrates how the 
like how these people are living on the edge and the ways in which we can come in and really demonstrate our love for them. So we also, oh, let me say this about COVID real quick. Um, the, in Niger, we don't really know the situation of COVID as a disease. The official statistic is that 5,000 people, about 5,000 people have had COVID in Niger. There's 20 million people there. And about 200 people have died from it. But the reality is, is that there's really no health care to speak of. People are not being tested, and so we, we just really don't know what the situation is. Um, as a way of an update, last year we also had the opportunity, if you go to the next slide, we had an opportunity to build our first high school. Um, if, if you know about Niger, the way we operate is the churches will start with a preschool or kindergarten, and then they'll add a grade every year to their school. So one of our schools was finally ready for their high school, and that was really exciting. Okay, you can go to the next slide. Um, thanks to your help, we were also able to implement our health and wellness program, and that was for our students at our schools. And I want to share a little story about that. Um, I thought this was a good story because it's actually, if you go to the next slide, it's about a mother. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so the health and wellness program, uh, you can go to the next slide. Um, it was supported by the Rally for Niger, which you participated in. Actually, your staff did. And uh, we got lots of donations supporting the staff who dressed up in costumes and all of that. So thank you, Dan, for adding that photo. I appreciate that. That's great. So if you go to the next slide. Yep, that's great. So I want to introduce you to a mother in Niger. This is Hadiza. And she's pictured there with her five children. Um, Yakubu, who is standing right in front of her there, is he just entered our sponsorship program. And I always take the time to talk to the parents of the new sponsorship students and just find out about their stories. And it was kind of cute. When Hadiza walked in, we thought she had four kids with her, but then she lifted her head covering, and there was that little baby peeking out on the back there. Um, Hadiz is about 35 years old, and she has 10 children. Nine of the children are still living. This is not unusual in Niger. The average woman in Niger will have seven children in her lifetime. Um, yeah, so she, uh, she heard about the Christian school because as it was being built in her community. And Hadiza was fortunate because she had two years of schooling herself, a primary school. Over half of all children in Niger will never walk into a classroom. Hadiza had two years of schooling. And also, um, she had some interactions with missionaries in the past. When her family, when she was a young child, and her family was in need, missionaries had stepped in and helped her family. And so she had this really good perspective of Christians, and uh, even though it's a Muslim country, she knew that they cared for them and loved them. So when the school came about in her community, she immediately brought her children over there, and they had a sponsorship available for Yakubu. And 
when we met Yukubu, he had been talking about, or she had told us, that he had a lot of ear pain. And, um, and so we sent him immediately to the clinic. And his, uh, the doctor told us that he uh, had ear infections and he was able to treat it. And he, the doctor said if he had not been able to treat it at that point, he probably would have lost much of his hearing. And that's the situation in Niger. Most people have to decide, do I feed my, my family or do I send my child to the clinic? And so we, as sponsors, as people who are loving the people of Niger, are able to help people and step in in that way. We have uh, 30 children who need sponsors in Niger. Um, if you feel called, if God's love, um, if you called, feel called in that way, would you please see me after the service, and uh, we'll talk to you about that more. Thank you. Thanks. Some pretty incredible stories going on here at Sunrise. Um, again, my name's Tim Nelson. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Uh, my Mother's Day didn't get off to the greatest start. I thought it would. I, uh, you know, last night after my wife went to bed, I set out the flowers and the card and a little gift. And, uh, you know, she snuck out of bed before I could get down there. And, but I hear like this just, what I thought was just, oh my goodness, this loud laughter and joyous noises. And I go downstairs expecting like a big hug, like, you did it, hon, finally. And... <laughs> And it wasn't joyous noises, it was her sneezing because she was highly allergic to the flowers that I had picked out. So, yeah, yeah. So, it can only get better from there. Uh, mornings are a little rough sometimes in the spring. I don't know if you feel it, if you're someone who has young kids in the house, but mine get up bright and early when the time changes and the sun starts getting out. It's like they have this, this is the input of the sun, and then bam, they're up. And their voices, their footsteps, their voices just are just like a beautiful bell in the morning calling me to wake up. And so I do think we'll start there. Maybe the kingdom of heaven is like a bell. In the Gospels, Jesus, he tells these stories, and I think we've been looking at them here at sunrise for the last couple of weeks, that the kingdom of heaven is like, it's a king settling accounts. It's like a vineyard owner. It's like a lost coin or a mustard seed. And Jesus tells these stories to inform us and give us a picture of, of what the God's ways and God's character and God's world are like. And they're beautiful, confounding, and profound. And then he also sometimes just gives us these phrases, like in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where Jesus says this, the kingdom of God has come near. Or in some translations, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Pointing at there is a kingdom that is available to you and I right now. I imagine it being one of his followers when you hear that. Wait, 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 you're saying the kingdom of God is, is here? The kingdom of God is now? Not just someday. Yeah, and that's good news. And it's good news for you and I as well. And uh, likely for the disciples who heard that, to say, Jesus, you're saying that I can participate in the life of God, the kingdom of heaven, to practice the presence of God right now. And that's why I think the kingdom of heaven is like a bell. 
Speaking of bells, in the late 1890s, none of you were alive, me neither, uh, there was a Russian scientist, Ivan Pavlov. Everybody heard of this guy before? Right? Rings the bell. Yeah, so Pavlov, it's, it's coming together. Thank you. I love it. Um, anyway, uh, Pavlov was a scientist, and he begins this research about the salivating dog. I mean, what we, we eventually call it conditioned response. Basically, he finds out that if you attach a noise or a person or another um, input to the feeding of a dog, the dog will begin to associate that noise or that person with food. And so even when you separate, let's say, a bell ringing and the food being brought to the dog, even if you take the food away after they've been conditioned to pair the two in their mind, the dog's going to hear that bell and their mouth is going to salivate. They're going to be like, oh, some, something's happening. Food's coming, food's coming, food's coming, even if it doesn't. And their body will un- uh, unconsciously, subconsciously respond by beginning to get ready to digest the food. It's really fascinating, uh, this experiment. There's a lot of implications. And of course, um, I imagine what it's like to have that anytime, anywhere, bell rings, dogs like ready. It's fascinating, isn't it? So, that's why I think the kingdom of heaven is like a bell. How? Hang on to that question just a little bit longer. We're getting there. So rewind with me back uh, from about 130 years ago to 4,000 years ago. We're going to take it way back to this end of the story. To the, what is it, the fifth one, Jacob. We have Abraham and Sarah, the parents of many nations. And he has a son in Isaac who has this really traumatic episode up on a mountain but eventually does get married and has two sons. Jacob and what's the other one? Esau. Baldy and Harry, right? Okay, so two sons, very different. Older son is Esau. Younger son, Jacob. This is where it gets interesting. Because in those days, the father had a blessing that they would give to generally the firstborn son. And Jacob and his mother create this plan where they're going to steal the blessing from the father. It's, it's, it's a fascinating story. I just really encourage you to read it. But what happens is Jacob eventually steals the blessing, the inheritance that's greater and more, more important than money. And soon, as you can imagine, Esau, the older brother, finds out about this and he is mad, like real mad. In, in Genesis 27, he says, The days of mourning for my father are near, because father was old. And then he says, And then I will kill my brother. Just matter-of-factly. And so Isaac, I'm sorry, Jacob is ready to run. Great Dixie Chick song, if you're into that as well. Um, but he is ready to run away. And this is where we're going to pick up the story today in Genesis 28. So Jacob, the younger brother, takes his blessing, his inheritance, and runs away to a far-off country from the older brother who stays at home. If this rings any bells about the prodigal son parable, I would just encourage you to read those two stories side by side. It's really beautiful. But we're not going to do that today. So anyway, that's the, that's the story where we pick it up today. Jacob is on the run. His brother's trying to kill him. And we pick it up here. This is uh, verse 10, chapter 28. If you're in one of these Bibles, we're on page 19. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. 
taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it, God stood, uh, stood the Lord. He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land of which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord is in this place. I want us to notice a few things. Go back to slide one, if you would there, Tanner. Um, This is the beginning, verse 10. Jacob leaves Beersheba, sets out for Haran. And this is our first clue that something is going on. There's a ton going on in this passage. We're just going to look at a little bit. We don't have time. There's a lot happening. But when he reached a certain place, Genesis is full of names of places, confusingly so. There's a reason this place is not named. That it's just a generic certain place or off yonder, right? It's just somewhere on Chicago Drive, right? Whatever. You know, it's just out there. It's not really named. And on purpose. Because I think what the author wants us to realize, although this place has a name and it will have a second name, blah, blah, is that God's presence, even, even something as profound as this vision that Jacob has, can happen at any place. The author of this book is trying to tell the reader that God can break through, even with that kind of magnitude, at any place, at any time. Even in the generic moments of the day. Nowhere special. This story that many of us have heard before, that goes down for centuries and centuries as this profound revelation of God to people, doesn't happen at church, doesn't happen at the office, it doesn't happen on a mountaintop or in your quiet time chair. It just happens in a place, any place. God wants to us encounter us in these places. And then at the end there, the last sentence we have in verse 16 there, Jacob awakes and he says, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. How often, brothers and sisters, could we say that? Quite often. The Lord then, the author's trying to tell us, can show up at any place, at any time, and in fact is with us in all times and in all places, as the great communion prayer tells us. And yet we are often not aware of it. The kingdom of God, I would say then, is an invitation to encounter God in all places and all times. That every moment is a sacred moment. So what about that bell? Let's come back to that. If we fast forward from Jacob about 2,500 years Rome is falling. Western civilization is in shambles. 
and to collect some sense of order and religious life, a man named Benedict, some would call him Saint Benedict or Benedict of Nursia, maybe he invented Eggs Benedict, I don't know, but I really like the Cuban Eggs Benedict at Anna's house, it's really great. Um, Benedict is gathering people together to live what they would call the religious life, set aside from the chaos of the world to maintain service and prayer and study and order in the midst of the chaos. These are the first monasteries that begin to form. Monks and someday nuns would gather and say, this is how we are religiously going to go through the day and through our life. And their rhythm of life and prayer and service is governed by the ringing of a ringing of a bell. Six times a day, the bell rings and calls the monks or nuns to prayer. Seven times. There's one at 3 a.m. called the Vigilantes for the Vigilant. I don't do that one. But the rest of these bells, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3, 6, 9, the bell rings out and the response of the monks is to stop what they are doing and pray. To acknowledge the presence of God among them wherever they are. In a certain place. Working in the kitchen or in the field. The bell rings. And they are called. They are conditioned to respond with a pause. Lord, surely your presence is in this place. You have numbered my days and I offer my life back to you. And sometimes there are longer, more scripted prayers. That's really beautiful. And sometimes it is simple as just a few breaths of acknowledging God. Gives shape to their life. So much so that this rhythm has endured for 1,500 some years. And in monasteries today, you can go practice this and participate uh, with the monks and nuns who do this. The bell rings and they pray. But you and I by the looks of our clothes and spouses and children, are not monks or nuns. And so what do we do with this? I think there's, there's truly a word here for you and I. So then we ask these questions, what then is our bell and what is our prayer? We talked about the monks being set aside to live what they would call at the time the religious life, where there's the religious folks, the clergy, and then everybody else. And that's not our call. Over the years, and we believe in this thing called the priesthood of all believers, that we're not living a rel- the religious life, but instead religiously living the life that's in front of us. That you and I need to attend to our days, to take our life seriously. That's an invitation that God offers us. Jesus takes our life so seriously, we get this in Philippians 2, he leaves glory and comes, empties himself of power to attend to our daily life, put skin on, gives value to our days. And so often, I think, when, we were, when I was young, the church was like, don't worry about your life, just think about these holy things. And yet Jesus is saying, I'm paying attention to your daily life. I'm going to encounter you in a certain place, and my presence is in all of these places. And so the bell, if you will, attends and attunes our hearts to say, surely the presence of God is here. How do we attend to God and acknowledge that. So I would posit to you that this rhythm is one that we can take forward. This is super, super practical to equip all of us with maybe one tool to step out of here 
and say, what can I do this week? So then what is my bell and what is my prayer? I'm going to invite you into saying this is something that we can participate in. Our bell, if you will, may be that moment in your day of anxiety, of fear, when things start going totally wrong or you think they will. For me, it's when I know I have three children. They're all rather volatile some days. And inevitably, one of them will begin to defiantly yell at some point. I don't love that. You're not alone if that's you. And that, for me, is the bell to pray. Not the bell to get louder. Not the bell to say, fine, we're not going to tulip time. No elephant ears for you. Right? It's not that moment. But it's the bell to pray, to acknowledge God's presence among us. My kids are losing it. When my coworker or boss is on the line, maybe for you, or somebody on your team that you oversee is just, just getting to you and you're about to lose it, I think it's a bell to pray. When the anxiety is ramping up, when you have to, when the phone calls coming in that you don't want to answer, when you have some fear about the future, when your inner critic is bringing up a sense of shame again, I would suggest that those are our bells pray. Those are the moments when God wants to encounter us, when the kingdom of God is at hand. And so Paul says this in the, in the New Testament, to pray without ceasing. I always thought, like, how do you do that? Because you'd have to have hands folded and eyes closed, and you would totally hit stuff if you prayed without ceasing. Then I grew up, and I was like, yeah, I don't think it can't be what he means. But what it does mean, even in the original language, is say there's, there's an ongoing dialogue with you and God. That maybe more than words and closed eyes and folded hands, there is something to be said about an ongoing dialogue with the Lord, with prayers that are as simple as our breath. And so the invitation to this is to, to name what, what are the bells that call us to pray and ha- respond with a simple breath. These are often, uh, there's tons of these in Scripture. I think of Psalm 136, where the refrain is, your love endures forever. Why? Your love endures forever. It's just, ooh, I'm breathing out this prayer. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Luke 18 and 39, this is the most common breath prayer. Maybe you've heard it. Lord Jesus, on the exhale, Son of God, inhale, have mercy on me, a sinner. Anybody heard that one before? Right? Super simple. And people have been praying these to the inhale and exhale of their breath for centuries. And so, super practically, I want us to name, in the next few minutes, you have a few minutes to think about this, what is your bell? What is your call to prayer? This really can be anything in your day. Something that may happen regularly. Maybe it's when you look at your calendar in the morning. And then what is... A simple breath prayer. There's a, Tanner, you throw up the list of those. These are a, a number of them that just come from Scripture, right? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Be still and know that I am God. In and out. My soul finds rest in God alone. My soul glorifies the Lord. In you we live and move and have our being. Thanks be to God 
for this indescribable gift. Or a couple more examples. I asked this question, these two questions, to a group um, I was leading a retreat with yesterday. And these are a couple of the testimonies that came out. I asked them to name, what's your bell? And then what's your prayer? What What is this breath prayer that God has given you? One gentleman said, well, my kids are defiantly screaming at me and threatening. He says, help me to love as you love. That's transformative parenting. I don't do that most of the time. Or there's a gentleman, uh, Monday mornings, he generally looks at his phone, looks at the emails and the schedule, and he gets a sense just in his gut, like, this is not good. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I can do this. And he pauses and takes a breath, and he says, your power is made perfect in my weakness, as he exhales. Kids wake up. This happens. A friend of mine, one of his daughters, has trouble sleeping. And it gets really, really hard to be kind those early hours of the morning. And so he prays, may I honor you in all that I do. This is interesting. On, on Mother's Day, this other friend of mine, she says that uh, she stays at home primarily. And she has four children. And her husband used to go to work. Now he works in the basement on the computer. Uh, I'm sure many of us in that situation too, working from home. And she has a terrible anxiety when it's a few minutes till he clocks out. And the to-do list isn't done. The house is not clean and the dishes are not done. And a sense of shame and nagging comes. And she pauses at that particular bell and says, I breathe in your love. I breathe out your love. Gospel proclamation in the face of shame. And another friend of mine has a really loud inner critic. It's not uncommon. So much so that when she wakes up in the morning and begins to think about her day and tries to pray, the voices inside say, you're just going to screw it up again. You're just like your mom. You're just like your sister and you're just going to mess this up. And at that bell, she breathes, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Great are your works, Lord. Three short breaths. It's preaching the gospel to the darkness in these particular moments. So often, I have really lofty goals of, I don't even know what at the end of a message, but this is super simple, friends. I'm going to do this as well. Can we name in the next few minutes What is the bell? What is your call to prayer? When is the moment of anxiety or desperation or fear or challenge or parenting or work? What is that as you reflect on your day, on your week? And then what is a prayer that you could be called to pray in that moment? Dan and I have talked about this. We're just going to have a few minutes for you to think about those two questions. And I would encourage you, if you're someone who writes things down or texts something or whatever, write it down. What is your bell? What is this call to prayer for you? And then what is the prayer? What could the Spirit be inviting you to say? Maybe it's as simple as, Lord, you love me. Remind yourself of the love of Jesus. So, we'll just take a few minutes. 
um, to do that. I just encourage you to write, text, Bible verse, Google, whatever you need to do. And just think about these two questions. And I would just invite you to take a step into this this week. And so, Lord, we pray as, as we sit for a few minutes that your spirit would, would bring up uh, curiosity and conviction, creativity. Would you help us name those moments that we know are there? And would you give us words to breathe, very simple phrases to remind us of your love and your attention and your desire to connect with us for your kingdom of God is near. Just take a few minutes, friends.
So the kingdom of heaven is like a bell. Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we have infinite opportunities in all times and in all places to encounter the God of the universe who loves and cares for us. To echo the words of Jacob who says, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't even know it. So to name those places where I, I generally don't associate God's presence with. I, I, I felt called the name again. My, my kids are loud yelling and fighting. What? That's, that's my bell. And my prayer is they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Great is your love for them. How does a moment like that transform your work relationships, your parenting relationships, being parented relationships? I think God's trying to do something on a really grassroots level that has to do with our moments in our days, and our conversations, and our relationships, because God is in those places. So I pray that, that this breath prayer can be something you attend to around the bells of your day. And Lord, we give you great thanks for allowing us to enter your story and recognize that you are present in all of it. Lord, surely your presence is in this place. Would you tune our ears and eyes and hearts to notice you in all the moments of our day? Would you call us as your church to ever more surrendered lives? Would you allow us to fall into your mercy and grace? Would you allow us to speak your love, your truth in the face of shame and anxiety and anger and darkness? And God, would you surprise us with the nearness of your heart and the nearness and power of your kingdom as we do so? Would you give us great courage, Lord, to trust you in these moments? For great are your works. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to continue in worship and singing and lifting our voices. And as we do this, um, we'll give of our tithes and offerings, not typically with a bucket passing, but you can scan that QR code in front of you and it'll take you to our announcement page where there's a link or you can drop it off in the back. There's a little table between the doors and there's a bucket there. You can drop your tithes off and we can uh, sow into the kingdom um, and what Sunrise is involved with, and especially if you heard this morning tangibly, um, supporting Remember Niger, one of the missions that we support. So let's give, let's give generously and continue in worship. Let's sing together.
Throughout history, the Father's light remains. And praises rise endlessly. We lay our lives before the King who was, who is, His love will and stand together. We've only just begun to see all of heaven come. Every fear will bow at the Father's perfect love. And your kingdom is at hand and the gates of hell won't stand. Now it be we lift our song to I love that line. We lay our lives before the King. I think it makes you think of Psalm 139. Our ways are visible to the Lord. Nothing surprises God. Even when you think about that bell, like what is that thing? 
probably a moment you're not real proud of or that you wish wasn't in your life. God is not surprised. In fact, God wishes to meet you and I in those moments. And so friends, as you go from this place, but not God's presence, would you hear the bell clearly to pray and join with Jacob saying, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And in that moment, would the Spirit of God empower you to humility and transformation, to pray and connect with the Lord. May you breathe in the love of the Lord this week. And may you enter forth into peace. Go forward and serve the Lord. Amen.